Well, good morning. Welcome, everybody. I'd say welcome, visitors, but I don't see any all fan. I think we're good this morning. Glad to have everybody in this morning. Excuse me. The mask does awful things to my nose. Welcome this morning. Um, remember that uh, today we have our welcome, our children back to school party, the uh, third try, and uh, it's looking good. Glad to have some kids here to enjoy it, and uh, hope more will will come in in just a little bit. Uh, remember that uh, uh, Wednesday, uh, Scott Lamb will be speaking in the Wednesday night service, and then uh, he'll be speaking again on Sunday. Um, you see the note about nominating committee. Uh, everybody should have gotten a little yellow slip this morning if you're going to turn in a nomination. Uh, and then the nominating committee will compile the list for our voting. Remember for giving that uh, you're welcome to give uh, at cyberstreet.church slash give or you can drop a check in our uh, old-fashioned mailbox in the back or um, whatever you want to do. This morning, I selected um, another psalm. Never know where he's going to lead me with psalms. And the first verse I'm going to read is out of the New International Version. This is Psalm 5. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you, and I wait expectantly. Now, I like that version, and that's what drew my attention. But the rest of Psalm 5 is kind of complicated in the NIV. So I went to the message. So y'all bear with me, but I love the message version as well. Psalm 5. Listen, God, please pay attention. Can you make any sense of these ramblings, my groans and my cries? King God, I need your help. Every morning, you'll hear me at it again. Every morning, I lay out the pieces of my life on your altar, and I watch for fire to descend. You don't socialize with wicked, and wicked is in caps, you don't invite evil as your house guest. Hot air boaster collapses in front of you. You shake your head over mischief maker. God destroys lies speaker. Bloodthirsty and truth bender disgust you. 
and here I am, your invited guest. It's incredible. I enter your house, here I am. Prostrate in your inner sanctum, waiting for directions to get me safely through enemy lines. In verses 11 through 12. But you will welcome us with open arms when we run for cover to you. Let the party last all night. Stand guard over our celebration. You are famous, God, for welcoming God-seekers, for decking us out in delight. May God bless the reading of his word. And let's have our prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for uh, being with us from the break of day through all the days of our lives and even through the night to keep watch with us. We thank you for your presence, your promises, your peace. You think, we thank you for leading and guiding and directing. And we pray that you'll give us the strength and the wisdom to follow you and to seek your face and to draw close to you. Father, this morning I want to thank our speaker. Thank you for bringing to us such a wonderful group of speakers to support us in this time. We pray that you'll continue to prepare and ready the one who will come and be our full-time pastor. Well, we thank you this morning, Father, that you've sent Brother Ray and Brother Carvin and Brother Scott to support us and to prepare us for the days ahead. Father, we thank you that uh, you were with us this morning, and we pray that you will keep our attention and bless us with your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I announced last week, today everyone may write down your nominations for the two vacancies on the leadership team and two vacancies on the business team. Even though there are only two vacancies on each of these two teams, you're not limited to the number of people you may nominate. Last Sunday, most of you received yellow sheets with directions and a list of names from our phone directory. We also have these papers available when you came into the sanctuary today. Is there anyone who did not get a copy and would like one? Anybody need a pen? Okay. On the back of the directory list is a place for you to write your nominations. If you made a list of nominations at home, just turn in that list rather than rewriting your nominations. After church or circles are over, please put your nomination list in the basket in the foyer or hand to Carolyn, James, or Marlon. To our church people who are listening online, 
If, you've if you haven't already done so, please get your nomination list to the church this week. The, nomination, the nominating committee will meet on September the 28th. Good morning. If you're able, let's stand. In John 15, 11, it says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. There is joy in the Lord. Now, we're going to do a little bit different this morning. Rachel's going to start out, and in honor of our missionaries, she's going to sing the first verse in Spanish. Then Will will uh, join her on the chorus, and then we will sing the first verse in English. Unless you know Spanish, you can sing along with her. Pues hay gozo en Jesús Y al confiar el alma su palabra goza de luz Ya por su gran promesa gozo de libertad La victoria Cristo ya me da
continue standing, please do. And we have another one that most of us probably grew up on, Blessed Assurance. Aren't you glad you have that Blessed Assurance today? Let's sing all the verses. to have Brother Ray Owens back with us this morning. Uh, we always enjoy his messages and uh, believe they're messages from God as well. And we, uh, we thank you again for your service to us during this time. Uh, prayers are with you at this time. I know it was a celebration service yesterday for Brother Owens, your dad, but uh, still, uh, you have to feel the loss, and we we understand. Pray that uh, God will be with your family as they travel and return to their various homes. Also, you'll see others on the prayer list this morning who uh, are in need of prayer. Uh, 
think especially of the ones that have uh, COVID recently and are struggling through that. Um, remember Mary Frances Valentine, uh, they're planning surgery, I believe, for this week um, on the, the cancer that she has. And um, they'll take that out and, and see what happens from there. But be with, pray that uh, God will be with her and the surgeons and the family during this time. Um, there are others on the list, but I thought this morning uh, I'd like a special prayer for uh, Wendy's boys, Eric and uh, uh, David. And we pray that uh, just be close to them. Help them feel our prayers and His presence in their lives during this time at camp. And uh, we pray that uh, He will be with them. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You this morning. Praise Your name for who you are, your steadfastness, your wisdom, your love for us. It's a comfort knowing that you remain in place and yet you're just a prayer away. But you're close enough that we can talk and walk with you. Thank you, Father, this morning for your presence and, and uh, your comfort for those who are needing your touch this morning, those that are ill or have an illness that they need to feel your touch this morning. Think of Mary Frances uh, Valentine. Pray that you'll be with her this morning and the family and the surgeons and, the, and all the caregivers uh, that care for young people and children. Thank you for those who are recovering from COVID and other uh, serious conditions and we pray that you will comfort and, and help them through this time. Father, we ask that you'll be with others that uh, are unspoken this morning. Pray that you'll be with David and Eric as they uh, attend classes and uh, pray that you will just lift them up and help them to feel you beside them. Father, we ask that uh, you will be with Ray and his family and uh, pray that you will uh, give them comfort and help them to remember the good times. Father, we ask that you'll be in the service this morning and speak to our hearts and uh, bring us each the message that we need to hear this morning. Pray that you'll be in the children's message in the lesson that they have 
and in the circles today and help us to remember that the rainbow will always be there after a difficult time. So all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. good to be in the house of the Lord this morning to see all of you. I've missed you. Uh, I've been happy for you while I've missed you, but I've missed you. And of course, I've preached a lot of sermons uh, since then and uh, have one today to share. Uh, yesterday when I was sharing, and I know some of you have texted me or let me know you listened to it. I'm sorry the audio wasn't very good. I had people all over the country telling me they had to stick it to their ear to hear it, and maybe we can correct that. But, but uh, one of the things I was sharing at the end was that my dad, whatever he received, love from God, forgiveness, you know, that's what he gave out. And that's really what we all can do. And this morning I woke up with a scripture, um, whether it's Isaiah 61 or Luke 4, where it's just like the Lord said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he's anointed me to preach the good news. And I thought about that as I was coming here. And I thought if anything good is said this morning, you know, it's going to come from the Lord. Because all good and perfect things come from the Lord. And if anything said this morning is not good, it comes from me. Okay? So you can uh, take that and go with it. Because if it, God, I give God all the glory, 100% of it. I also want to share with you, I was thinking about Dad being in the ministry um, you know, pretty actively, uh, 65 years. And I was thinking, well, I got 20 more to go. I've, I've made 45, 40, almost 46. And uh, I got about 20 more years to go. And I said, well, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> You're going to laugh. I stepped out of the shower, bent down, and my back tweaked. And now I'm hurting. So I don't know if I got cocky. <laughs> Or whatever, or the, the spirit's willing, but the body's pretty weak. You know? How many of you resemble that, understand that getting old? You know what I'm saying? Like, really? You make noise when you walk, especially early in the morning? I am going to ask the Lord why he doesn't put grease zerks. Um, my tractor has grease zerks. If just make a noise, I can kind of pump it up and it quiets up. I think we need one here, 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 and right in the back, middle of the back. <laughs> And that's one reason to get married. Your wife could grease you. <laughs> Boy, where did that go? Okay, now get your outline. Let's, let's go to what the Lord's laid on our heart this morning. Unshakable identity. So the question number one is, who are you? Who are you? How would you describe yourself? A lot of times when I meet with people... Um, business or whatever across the table and particularly college students and even younger folks that, that, that you know I'll ask them to tell me a little bit about yourself. I love to listen uh, what, what's going on about them. How would they describe yourself? And I'll be honest people struggle telling, talking about themselves a lot. There's a few exceptions but they struggle with that because there's an identity crisis going on. But I ask them a lot of times what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, 
I know people that, that are 45, 46 in college and they're still, you know, trying to get a job. I was shocked at the university as I taught, I saw a big transition, both in the quality of the students, the age of the students, a lot of things that, that happened. And there were some good things and then some things not so good. But how many of them had never, ever, they're like almost ready to graduate and they'd never had a job? Never worked at McDonald's? Maybe they babysitted you know, for their family or something like that. And that was crazy because, man, I was working at 12. I had employees by the time I was 14. You know, I had a lawn mowing business and hired the neighborhood kids. And, you know, I mean, it was just a total different mindset uh, that I have. And, and, you know, can you think about it going and getting a graduate degree from college and your first time to ever work is you're, you're going into some position and you've never taken orders, you've never, you know, it's just unbelievable what we, we face. Well, today's text is because there is an identity crisis in our culture today. Not all of it related to age, not all of it related to the United States. It's just our culture. And our scripture is taken from Ephesians 4, 21, verses to, to I also picked chapter 5, verse 1 to read with you. I'll read out of the New Living Translation, our text. And it's, trying to help the people of Ephesus know who they are, and I think it applies to us today. Verse 21, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which obviously is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on a new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I'm gonna stop there. There's a sermon in that like crazy. There are several times there, it is super clear, Paul and God's Spirit is telling us that we're part of this deal, it's a partnership with God, because we have to uh, throw off, we have to put on. It's there for us, but it's a partnership. We've got to do it. Keep going, verse 25. So stop telling lies. <laughs> Let us tell our neighbors the truth. And I'm reminded then of the, of the famous line in the movie, you can't handle the truth, you know. <laughs> For we are all parts of the same body and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as what? His own. You're His guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And I had to pick chapter five, verse one. It continues with this. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Amen? 
If you did chapter 5 verse 1 in your life, you imitated God as best you understood it. You read the Holy Word and you imitated God in everything you did. And you knew you were God's child. I don't think you'd need the Ten Commandments. You wouldn't need the whole book of Leviticus. You wouldn't need anything. Because you're imitating God and you know Him and you've read about Him and you understand Him. Beautiful scripture. Man, there's so many sermons in there. It's unbelievable. I'll try to stick with just this one and maybe two or three others as we go along. Number one, on your outline there. You got it there before you? To have an awesome, unshakable identity, the first thing is discover who God actually created you to be through Christ. Discover who God actually created you to be through Christ. Thank you, Reuben. First part of that is God actually, really, truly, completely created you. I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? You'd think that's a basic question, but I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of people, they don't live like they believe that. God created you. It's very important. Our early ancestors, you know, professors and university, now they're down into even junior high school teaching that our early ancestors kind of grew out of, kind of crawled out of the ooze. You know what I'm saying? And we were amphibians and then we were kind of became mammals and you know how the evolutionary process. Or either the other option, there was this big bang and chaos and out of chaos comes things. You know, if you believe you were hatched or whatever, or you believe you're some happenstance that just happened to be, let me ask you if you think that's going to affect your identity. Now, I just want for none of you believe that, so just for a moment, think about the folks out there and the young kids coming up today that are raised and they're being taught that they're just part of society that's evolved. They're a happenstance. They were not created. Do you understand that? Think about that. So where's your purpose? Could that explain a few things? You see what I'm saying? Because if we come to the realization that we were fearfully and created by God for a purpose, I don't know, that gives you, regardless of your own parents, that gives you a purpose, that gives you a reason. You know that when you look at your nose and it isn't right, or whatever other parts that you think isn't right, you follow what I'm saying? When you say, God created you. Now, he might not have created you to be quite as rounded, you know, it might be too many brownies. I love chocolate, I'm admit to you. I'm a sinner and I eat chocolate a lot. So Genesis 1.27 on your outline says, so God created people in his image. Either you believe it or you're not, either you believe the word of God or you don't, God patterned them after himself, male and female, he created them. And I've heard professors who've taught the evolutionary theory. Well, I was blessed for about 25 years to teach, to teach uh, the scientific method. Psychology was chosen for many years in 201 to teach the scientific method. So I would always pick the theory of evolution to teach theory. Theory's real simple. There's laws that most people say are facts as best we understand it or truth. You know, and then there's hypotheses, which are educated guess, basically, or whatever. They're simply guesses. And that's what we do research on all the time. And what a theory is takes what we know as fact, 
what we know or, or, or we think, and they put it together and explain it. So Darwinian theory of evolution, and of course people have taken it, you know, pretty far. And you know, deep inside I'd hear all this stuff and it just didn't fit with how I was raised. You know, and of course I taught at the university with a lot of guys that really were struggling with that. And you know, I just kind of wondered, did I come from a monkey? Because that's really kind of how it went, you know. And um, I thought about it, and I, this will make you laugh. I know I've probably had some ancestors when we study your family and go way back that swung from their necks. But I don't think I ever had any that swung from their tails. I'm just going to tell you that. How about you? And you know what's funny? I tried not to be judgmental. And a lot of times I was questioning things myself as a young student, particularly a graduate student. Gosh, I went to college forever. Taught even while I was doing that. I, you know, I questioned some things. But you know what? Without exception, when those guys and a couple gals, when something really went wrong or one of the professor emeritus from Ole Miss had moved over and was doing research in our lab up there with some rats and cocaine and addiction and stuff like that. When he died, guess who they called? They didn't call the evolutionist. They called the person of faith. Isn't that something? The second part of this is, first part, you really need to believe you're created, that God had a plan for your life. By the way, sometimes you get a chance to read Psalms 139. Actually, my email address is Owens139. I love Psalms 139. Psalms 139 says that while you were in your mother's womb, God was manipulating all the DNA and RNA to make you who you are, God himself. I've heard scientists say, well, we can manipulate and do creation. Yeah, except they don't have DNA. They start with God's DNA. You see what I'm saying? They start with his stuff. The second part of that is, although we were creating God's image, and we had this great opportunity to do and be in a whole different world, sin came in and we messed up, and we all know that. So then we got this crisis, and for hundreds and hundreds of years, man tried to get it back together. God sent prophets. We were so messed up, and I'm not even saying the prophets were right, but everybody was trying to get it together. And then one day, God sent his son Jesus to restore to pay the price for the sin, because without the you know, passing of blood, there's no remissions of sin. God sent his son. He paid the price. It was set. And the deal was to reclaim us so we can reclaim our identity with God through Christ. Does that make sense? What a neat thing to be able to re reclaim it. And you're never going to know who you are until you discover who you are in Christ Jesus now. I want to tell you a story of Susan uh, Krabacher. Um, that wasn't her maiden name. That's her married name. She had a rough life, was very abused. At 17, she ran away from home at 15. Just last week, because you know Diane and I are involved in Mercy and involved some other day. A 14-year-old, New Mexico, ran away. And then we got word finally through an emergency deal through Facebook she'd been trafficked and was in Mexico. Praise God, a miracle. We prayed. Don't know them. Just know the situation. Happens all the time. 
crazy kids, especially girls, that run away, no protection, you know, and ends up horrible things happening. Luckily, there was a task force that happened to be covertly working down there and got her back. Miracle. This girl ran away, true story. At 17, she's waiting on tables, trying to make a living. A photographer, amateur photographer sees her. He's trying to move up, and he has to take pictures of her. Then he asks her, you know, kind of do a swimsuit model thing. One thing led to another, and eventually she is uh, chosen for that infamous playboy. She's put on a jet, flown out there. You know the story, becomes playmate and all that stuff, and living in mansions, the high life. And I quote this. Susie said this, I thought I had the world by the tail, but the world had me. She realized how she was being manipulated. So you find, you know, it's, like, it's like the prodigal son, and you've had those moments or you're not here. And I love it, because it says, when he came to his senses, when he's eaten out of the pig trough, he came to his senses. And here's what I want to tell you. God doesn't want you to have to go so far to be in the pig trough to come to your senses. It just depends on how stubborn we are because he's calling all along. You follow what I'm saying? God didn't want her to have to get where she was at all. He's been calling all along. But thank God she called out and got saved in the Playboy Mansion. Now, can, is that possible? I remember there'd probably be a time we would go, couldn't happen. Is there anywhere, the Bible says, is there anywhere the Spirit of God cannot go? The Bible says he could even go down to Hades. The Spirit of God's not limited. And when the Spirit calls, I, I know tons of people, I was telling them yesterday that I used to go with Dad and he'd pull up to the bars on the south side and I'd stay in the car back in those days, you didn't have to lock it or nothing. And you didn't have to worry about air conditioner heat because you roll the window down like that. How many of y'all remember? Anybody? You actually did that? Didn't need a battery? You just roll the window down. I bet I've done that so much. He'd run in. And I know three people changed out of thousands, but three. I know probably more. I only know of about three because he went in a bar and invited them to church. Wow. So she, true story, she, she says in, in, that she fell on her knees, cried out to God, accepted Lord Jesus Christ, and she went from a person living the world's dream to a person of purpose. She took what she had, she formed a foundation, I think it's Hades Children or something, and now for many, many, got married, has an amazing foundation, faith-based in Haiti, Thousands of children helped, you know, won every award, been on Oprah and all these TV shows. You know what I'm saying? Wow. From frankly being abused or uh, used to making a difference. And Jesus Christ basically let her discover her identity. Do you follow what I'm saying? What an amazing story. So look on your outline. For you've been born again. Your new life did not come from your earthly parents. Whether you were raised like me or you were raised like her. Your life, your new life doesn't come from that. Because the life they gave you will end at death. But this new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. Amen? What this means is that those who become Christians, it says in 2 Corinthians, become new persons. 
They're not the same anymore for the old life is gone, the new life has come. Man, that's something to get excited about. Amen? Some of you aren't smiling enough. Now I got a quote on your outline I love there. The only one who can define who you are, and we're going to go through this in a minute, is the one who created you. But here's the coolest thing yet. He created you. He did your genetics. He got you like you are. And yet he doesn't stop there. He keeps recreating you. So you do. You get created. And at some point you have a spiritual recreation. And then here's what I want to tell you. He works with you as you seek him to become sanctified, which is recreating within you. And you can be 90 years old and still being recreated. God's not finished with us. I'm glad about that. I don't know about you. <coughs> I would have you turn to your person next to you and tell them, it's a good thing he's not done with you, but I don't want to do that. Number two. <coughs> I'm part, sorry, my throat's pretty rough. I'm about preached out. Two, refuse to forfeit your identity to the opinions or pressures of others. So the first thing we've got to discover who we are in God. The second thing is we've got to refuse to forfeit our identity to the opinion or pressure of others. While God created us to have this divine identity and God sent his son to recreate it, to live in us and all that, here's what the reality is. We're exposed in a world that's not really his. This world's pretty much controlled by Satan. There are ads, TV, magazine, news, radio, conversations, computer stuff, YouTube, video games, everything. People at work, people at school, because they're all inundated in this world by the opposite message. And Paul warns us about that in Romans 12 too. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. And the Bible also says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We even know that in psychology, one of the most popular and long-lasting therapies is cognitive behavior therapy. We used to do behaviorism, meaning I could change the way you act, I could do things. I can make a rat do anything, okay, with reinforcement and punishment. But here's the thing, it wasn't changing anything. We've learned change the way you think and then change your behavior. So many people that you know are very cocky and rude and gruff. I can tell you right now, I'm gonna tell you a super secret. I guess that's why it doesn't bother me because I got the knowledge and understand it. Somebody real cocky and gruff, they have the lowest self-esteem of anybody. They don't know who they are and they're hurting. And yet they come across like they're gruff and tough and no, nah, they're, they're, they're totally the opposite. You know who's the most secure, wonderful person? Somebody that it doesn't bother what somebody says because they know who they are. You know? Think about that. The world will try to have your identity, and on your outline i got a few things there. The world's going to identify you, number one, by what you do. Did you know that? If you go up to somebody and you meet them for the first time, they'll say, well, what do you do? That's, that tends to be what we do. I, I got a cool story here about a guy named Charles Scott. Charlie Scott from Kansas City. He teaches professional quilting. 
And he's the only, at the time, the only male person in the professional quilting guild in the United States. Don't you know he took some needling? Some are getting it, some aren't. Okay. There was 150 members of this guild, and he was the only, only guy. But he said he just found out he had a, a goodness gracious, was it his aunt or grand, No, mother-in-law. His mother-in-law was into quilting. She was amazing. She kind of said, try it, and started working with him. And he had the knack for it and had the vision and kind of the plan and how it worked out and moved to the next level, and he loved kind of teaching it. And one thing led to another, and he did it. I mean, you're not defined by what you do, what you do at work. Number two, you're not defined by what you have. Our society's big about, well, boy, he has a nice, boy, if you don't believe that, certain cultures especially, they want to drive, they can't drive a regular car, it's got to be a Mercedes, a Lexus, you know, it's got to be one of the bigger ones. You know, and I always say if you're going to buy a Lexus, get the same bottle in a Toyota, they're almost identical. Okay, you know, actually you can replace, I think, 95% of the parts are interchangeable. Um, the label it and a couple other things, and there's a few little things. But my point is, and then, you know, take the rest of the money and put it in the stock market, you know, or whatever, invest it, give it to missions. It's not what you have, and I have a favorite toy I love, but I'm telling you that doesn't define me. Might give me some joy. So it's not what you have. And here's a good one, ladies, number three, how you look. This is a big time one. Any ad, any billboard, any commercial, any TV program, it's all about how you look. How muscular, how thin, how tall, how athletic, blah, blah, blah. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God don't judge me by the outside. He judges me by the inside because I'm pretty good looking on the inside sometimes. I ain't too good on the outside. Sometimes. Parents and young people are especially bombarded by how they look. You know, the next one I put in is we're judged by all the time in society by your parents. Who your parents were. Now, there's some good and bad in that. If you were, I mean, many of you, I know your families. Um, and, and obviously, I have a tremendous heritage myself. But that, that can be a good thing, but I don't really need to be judged by that. I shouldn't even get the extra credit for certain things. I should do it myself. But it can work the opposite way, too. I got an illustration about a 13-year-old girl that got pregnant by a 19-year-old boy. I mean, you know, it's terrible. Law enforcement's involved, uh, child protective services, and all that. And then they found out in the investigation while law enforcement was involved, the mother was involved in it. And here's what she said. She didn't really care because she said, well, why? I got pregnant at 14. My mom got pregnant at 14. My grandmother got pregnant at 14. That's just the way it is. And she was only 13. Now, I'm going to say this. No, that's not the way it is. That's not what you were created to do. Even though your parents raised you or almost forced you to do it or encouraged it before you knew what was up. Just like Susan, the lady before, the girl before. God wants to recreate in you something different. You don't have to do what your parents do. I, I, I challenge college students all the time, break the cycle. 
Be the first person to graduate. Be the first, first person to break the cycle. If there was this generational sin that goes on, and it does, that's a lot of what mercy does, just constant, break this, let God recreate in you and break the cycle. And five, you will not believe this. My fifth one, you're not defined by your kids. Uh-oh, are your grandkids. There might have been some times some of you are happy you're not defined by your kids. Lord, we've got movies out about people that, you know, literally tried to kill or did kill cheerleaders because their girl didn't make head cheerleader and all this crazy stuff. And I, I know tons of guys that push their kids in sports to live through them because either they were successful or they wasn't and they want to live through their kid. We see this all the time. I've got, I, I don't want to, you know, they might be watching it, but I have a, a situation where, you know, I'd love this person to be a hunter. They may not end up being a hunter. I'm going to give them that opportunity. I love the woods. I love the outside. I love deer management. I love all of that sort of stuff, but I'm going to expose them, but that doesn't determine their value or my value. You see what I'm saying? God might have something different for them. And finally, this is real important. The world will try to have you determine your identity based on who you were, who you've been. Chris Newton was a young man that raised pretty bad, grew up homeless, street kid, went to the the New York City has a school for the homeless. Went to the school for the homeless in the city. He recently became the first homeless person to graduate from the state university. He was going to graduate school. In other words, he didn't just go with the flow. Oh, people jumped on and helped him. You'd been one of them. Every one of you would have helped somebody. If you see somebody trying to work, you would have helped them. You would have encouraged them. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not what all I want to want to be or need to be or what God wants to be. I can look back on my life and say, boy, I'm a lot better and I've gained some wisdom. In fact, I wish that I could take what I know now and go back and put it in that 30-year-old body. Man, we could rule the world. I'm just telling you. Because I was indestructible, you know, till about 50, 45, something like that. In other words, God's still working on me. How many of you ever heard the song kids sing? God's still working on me to make me. He created the stars, the moon, and all that stuff, but he's still working on me. It's going to take a while. It took a day to make those. It's taking a lifetime to do us because we're his masterpiece. Number three. Reinforce your identity by living outwardly what you claim to be inwardly. Reinforce your identity by living outwardly what you claim to be inwardly. You know, when we live and do things outwardly differently from what we have inside, you got an identity crisis. So a lot of our culture today and a lot of Christians today are struggling because they're in a world and they're successful in the world, and man, I got another message on that. There's nothing wrong with that. You can definitely be successful in the world and amazing, but we're to tra help transform the world. We're to be salt. 
We're to be Daniel, you know, to Nebuchadnezzar. We're supposed to change things. But we're, we, we get in this world and before you know it, we start acting outwardly different than what we really are. We're God's child. And we need to act like it. Now God doesn't go around, God's child, God doesn't go around, you know, nose in the air and all that, right? But he's sure of who he is and what the purpose is. It's a purpose-driven life and you're confident in what you are and you love people. And, you, and if they say something that hurts your feelings, you know, sometimes it does. Yeah, talk to somebody, get some help, but blow it off. You're God's child. You're going to heaven. You got support. You got the family of God around you. Boy, y'all have a great family of God here. We have a great family of God here. Our text, Paul tells us, if you're a child of the light, walk as a child in the light. Our spirituality and our faith is not just something we have in here. It needs to be outwardly. Do you agree with that? Okay. It's sad but true. George Marna has done a lot of studies. And he found that people who say, yes, I'm born again, versus those that say, no, I'm not born again, there is no statistical difference in the way they live their life. Except saying I'm born again. Now does that mean they're, they're Christian? Maybe not, but they're saying they are. They might attend church more, that's true. They have more Bibles. I don't even know how many I have. <laughs> and I just inherited about a hundred more. Uh, they, might, they do this. They give more to others. People who claim to be born again, there's a lot of that. But here's what's bad. They cheat, lie, curse, drink, have just as high a divorce rate. And that's why I think this scripture is pretty good when Paul says, stop lying. <laughs> stop lying. Let your yes be yes, your no, no. You follow what I'm saying? In other words, brothers and sisters, we need to live out our identity. So I'm just saying, if we really know who we are, we know we're made, we weren't just random stance. Christ recreated us, and if we're short, he gives us ways to be even recreated to new creation. If we have a weak tendency that's genetic or otherwise, there's hope, there's a way to overcome, but he never, he can even forgive us of something, a major failure, there's so much going on to make us where we can live who we really are. Jesus needs to make a difference in our life that's obvious to others. Do you agree with that? So down at the bottom of the outline. Oh, I left off the scripture, Philippians 1, 11. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. For good things that are produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much joy and praise to God. In other words, we need to have it. So I have at the bottom of your outline a really neat statement. Make your fruit match your roots. So, if your roots are deep down in God and my roots are deep down into God and I know who I am and that's my roots, then my fruit ought to come out of that. I don't need to be dropping off poison pomegranates if my roots are deep down and I'm supposed to be an orange tree or whatever it is, you know. We don't need to be doing that. I, as a hunter, I know this and some of you might, but you can have 50 oak trees out there. And I've got to where I fertilize some, but 
the deer will always, there'll be two or three, and sometimes the years will change. We have a pecan orchard, North Crossings Church. Some of them always produce sweet pecans, good pecans, some don't. And all I'm saying is we need to be the tree producing the fruit that really defines what our, what, and, and all they're doing is producing what kind of dirt they have and what their roots are and how healthy they are. God wants us to know who we are. Man, know who you are. I, if God would give me one gift, I almost think it would be a Star Trek thing. That I could go up, I'll use Mike as example, and I could go up to Mike, put my fingers on his head, and tell him who he is in God, his God esteem, how awesome he is, and you know, Spock did that, and then you know, you could literally, instantly, you had, it, it was controlling you, you'd believe it, you know? And I would love to be able to do that to people. I've tried to do it through sermons. If we know who we are, if we really know who we are, yes, this is an encouraging message, it's to boost us, but it's gonna change the way we think, change the way we live, it's amazing. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up, we're gonna sing who we are. So y'all make your way. I thought about this. If we could split the church open, and of course it's very special to me right now with what happened, but split the church open and just for a few seconds have a glimpse of heaven, how glorious it is, how awesome it is, wouldn't that be encouraging? And I had a preacher one time say, yeah, and if we could split the floor and look down and just for a few seconds see hell, I'll tell you what, I'm not so sure that wouldn't change us more. And you'd be knocking on your neighbor's door, doing more evangelism if you saw how terrible that was, you know. But here's the thing, just to be able to see Jesus face to face is amazing. But God wants us on this side of glory in the world to be his children and see him and see who he created us to be. You're beautiful, you're a child of God, you're wonderful. God's chose you, I am his arms, his legs, you're his arms, I'm his mouth. He's chosen, that's his plan and he's God and he's usually pretty good. He's chosen us, he's chosen you, he's chosen me, we are to be that. It's a purpose, we're to love people and yes, unlovely people, we're to let God use us. We're a child of God. So I want you to leave here today believing that, okay? Stand and we're gonna sing, I think, Child of God. Child of God. Sing it like you believe it.
child of God and I thank God for that too that he sought me and uh, bought me and he brought me home or at least we're headed that way and I'm also reminded that God referred to himself as the great I am didn't have to say anything more let's uh Remember all the activities that we have this week and uh, uh, be in prayerful consideration for the folks who are being nominated and uh, the work they're being asked to do uh, that they will consider and uh, be in prayer about the future. Pray that uh, the kids will have a good time today and uh, that he'll continue to speak through the lesson of Noah this morning. Father, we thank you this morning uh, for your presence and, uh, and your calling us and your spending time helping us to be redeemed as uh, your children in the image of you. And we pray that you will continue to have patience with us and work with us and bring us along, each at our own speed, to the place where we need to be. And we pray that you will help us to share what's possible to others and where they need to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.